Are you ready? Oh, here we go. All right, pop quiz. The the last four weeks we've been doing a series called Learning to Be Spiritual. Learning to Be Spiritual. Now, what are the last four topics, themes we've talked about? Just shout them out. Solitude. Solitude. Study. Study. Prayer. Fasting. Ah. Was anybody cheating on their cheat sheet there at all? You all had to memorize, right? And so, so we're looking at learning to be spiritual. This whole series comes from the book Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, one of the best introductory books to spiritual disciplines that I know of. And I highly recommend everyone get it. There's different chapters I didn't get a chance to get to to talk about. So it would be helpful if you wanted to continue this, to, to read it and, and to apply it as well. Um, so we, we talked about solitude last week. We had 10 minutes of silence in church. Was that crazy? And if you're here and you're saying, wait, is he serious? No, no, I am serious. I know I joke a lot, but I am serious. And if you missed the message last week, just go online to our website, kaimakeechristian.org. And what we'll do, uh, you could look at the, 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 the message, and then hopefully God will encourage and you'll be inspired to practice the discipline of silence and solitude. Um, because we, we want to hear and learn about the disciplines. This is the key. Learn about it and put it into practice. Learn about it, put it into practice. And remember with the disciplines, it's all God. God's doing all the work. We're just putting ourselves in a position um, for God to do the work. That's all we do is put ourselves in that position. Then the week prior, we talked about studying, and we offered this amazing resource, um, Bible Study Gateway. And yeah, Study Gateway. And the cool part about this is if you want it, just put on the back of your information card, hey, I would love to, you know, get the study gateway. And what it is, is it's a resource that let's say you have a topic you want to talk about. You want to talk about the topic of whatever. You type it in there and all these different videos will come up. And usually there are four to eight videos, about 15 minutes each. You could do it in a small group. You could do it in some type of different type of setting, whatever you want to do. But um, you could do by, you search by topic, you search by preacher. If you have a favorite theologian, a favorite uh, pastor, whatever it is, you could type their names in and then continue throughout the week the discipline of study. So if you have not utilized that yet, um, make sure you, you put on your card and we'll, we'll send you out that information. However, if you did sign up for it and you just haven't used it, raise your hand. <laughs> You're honest. I love it. I didn't think anyone would raise their hands. But bless you for doing that. It's amazing. But utilize it because it's a, great, it's a great resource and a great tool. And by the way, with spiritual disciplines, here's the deal. I don't know about you, but some are harder than others. When it comes to fasting, Everyone was like, yeah, we talked about studying, we talked about solitude, we talked about worship, and we talked about fasting. <laughs> fasting seems to be one of the more difficult spiritual disciplines, and, and I don't know about you, but, but um, I did good with fasting in some areas, and other areas I did not do so well in, and, um, and here's the deal. If you are in that boat like me where you failed in some of those areas of spiritual disciplines, just get back in the boat and start again. That's it. So instead of saying, I am going to fast from all food for like 10 days, say, I'm just going to fast from food for one day. <laughs> Start small. Like, let's get these wins under our belt. Does that make sense? So don't be leaving feeling guilty like, oh, man, I didn't do it. Just start over. But set these reasonable goals. you got to start somewhere. Amen? Yeah. You with me? Yeah. 
Okay, good. So here we go. We're talking about worship. Uh, in the beginning, uh, we, we asked the question, you know, what is worship? That was our, our question to talk about one another. And lots of times, you know, people will say worship is music. Or worship is singing. Worship is whatever it is. And so, so, so we have these different ideas of what worship is. What I want to do is lay the foundation for what worship is. And then that will help us kind of springboard into more of a fuller discussion on the full aspects of worship and how that impacts our lives. But here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12. He writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Some translations say spiritual worship. And any time in the Bible you, say that you see a therefore, you should always ask, what is it therefore? Brilliant. I love it. I'm glad you asked. So the first 11 verses, uh, chapters, is all about this. Ready? God was the one who, who redeemed us. God was the one who saves us. God is the one who did everything and set things into motion so that... We may be with him forever. The first 11 chapters is all about what God has done for us. This is so crucial. What God has done for us. Then in verse, chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. To offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our worship. The point is that. God has done everything. Our natural response then is to worship God because of what God has done. And so if we're going to look at this, this idea of worship, like can we define worship? Yes, we can define it. And I'm going to give you a definition of worship. But worship is so much more than a simple definition. But I think this definition will help us um, set the future and help us with this discussion because we've got to have a starting point. I think this definition is a great starting point. So here's what worship can be defined as. Worship is our grateful response of praise and obedience to what God has done for us in Christ. Let me say that a few more times. Worship is our grateful response of praise and obedience to what God has done for us in Christ. Worship is our grateful response of praise and obedience to what God has done for us in Christ. Worship is all about responding in obedience, responding in love, responding in so many different ways because of what God has done for us. That is worship. When we realize that God is God and we are not. So the who of worship. Who are we to worship? Why are we to worship? In John chapter 4, Jesus meets this woman at the, at the, at, at the well. And they have this amazing spiritual um, uh, conversation. And one of the things that Jesus says to this woman at the well is that true worshipers will worship uh, the Lord and spirit and in truth. Keep that thought in your mind there. We'll worship in spirit and in truth. True worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So 
and we're going to come back to that. What is amazing about the narrative of Scripture is that we see God, this amazing creator who has no beginning and no end, we see God pursuing after his creation. In fact, if we go back to the book of Genesis, we see God in the Garden of Eden pursuing Adam and Eve. If we go to the cross, what do we see? We see God pursuing men and women as a way of bringing them back to God, reconciling them back to God because of what the cross has done and what he was doing on the cross. Again, he's bringing people back to him. God is constantly pursuing us. In Luke 15, there's a famous story of uh, the prodigal son. The story is that the son goes to his father and he asks his dad, he says, dad, can I have all this money in my inheritance? And the dad says, sure. The, the prodigal son then spends all his money on wild living and then he comes back because he realizes at least he has a home he could live in. But here's what's interesting in Luke 15. The dad is looking for his son and waiting for his son to come back. And when he sees his son come back, he embraces him. And he says, the son of mine was lost, but now is found. Again, the father was pursuing the son. And in this story, we have the father representing God. And we have the son representing men and women, humanity, that, that, that God is waiting for us to come back. Again, God is pursuing us. Again, God does everything. It is our response to what God has done. That is worship. It is a response to what God has done. Because if we think about it, we are not perfect. We can't earn our way into heaven. We can't buy our way into heaven. We can't whatever. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read, uh, uh, starting with verse 1, we're going to read nine verses, and then I'm going to read it in Eugene Peterson's paraphrased version of the Bible, and, um, and, 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 and a couple of the key words to, to focus on is things like what God has done, that, that God is doing this, that, that God is the one who has done this. Keep those in mind. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. 
to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's that same passage in the message. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. So wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin, dead lives, and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up, set us down the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea. All his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gone ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. Worship is our grateful response to what God has done. Worship is our grateful response to what God has done. And when God's spirit comes and touches our spirit, that is a divine moment of worship. A time when heaven meets earth. A time when we realize God is there. God is real. We're always to worship the Lord and only the Lord. When Jesus was fasting for 40 days, preparing for ministry, he went up to the highest uh, uh, mountaintop, and the devil says, look, bow down, or, 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 or bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all of these kingdoms. And Jesus looked at him and says, Scripture says, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. When Isaiah caught a glimpse of the Lord in Isaiah 6-5, in Isaiah 6-5, he got a glimpse of this Lord. This is a crazy story. He got this glimpse of the Lord, and, and here's what he says. He says, woe is me. Woe is me. Why? Because he got a glimpse of the almighty creator. Imagine this. God who has no sin. We can't even fathom what that would be like. God who has nothing but love. God who cannot even sin. God who is full of grace and truth. And Isaiah, this sinful person just like you and I, gets a glimpse of this holy God and he says, woe is me. But yet, this holy God, this God without sin, without imperfections, who is perfect in every way, who loves us, pursues us. This God is the one that says, I am not through with you. I have a plan for you. 
And worship is our response to everything God has done. And us as people who have been um, um, darkened by sin, we could come to this holy God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, given us access to him. So the glimpse that Isaiah caught shed light on the contrast between the holiness of God and on the sinfulness of all of humanity. And the best he could say was, woe is me. The beauty is that Jesus says, I have a plan for you. But God is always pursuing us. He wants us He loves us. He desires us. Sometimes we let these thoughts in our minds just run amok and and we think that we are not worthy of whatever it is. But God says, no, I am coming after you. I am pursuing you. You have so much more to offer. You are valued. You are loved. Why? Because you are in the image of the Almighty God. That is encouragement. That is an amazing story. And then, then we could come to a point when we could really enter into worship. And there's so many different avenues into entering into worship. We realize that God has done everything. And since we realize that God has done everything, we could enter into worship and give back everything to God. So the first avenue into worship is to slow down. Now, not just slowing down on the weekends. It's easy slowing down when we're at church because we sit down and we slow down. That's easy. But slowing down is throughout the week. Now, I'm preaching this to myself because I am so busy throughout the week, which I've told you, we all get busy. Everybody is busy. But when we slow down, we're able to open ourselves up to what God would have for us. Here's what Richard Foster says. He, he writes this. If we are accustomed to carrying out the business of our lives in human strength and wisdom, we will do the same in gathered worship. If, however, we have cultivated the habit of allowing every conversation, every business transaction to be divinely prompted, that same sensitivity will flow into public worship. Now, that is easier said than than done, but let's remember what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What that means is that God lives within us. So what that means is when we wake up in the morning, we could say, God, thank you. We could praise him for giving us breath in the morning. That means when we take a, 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 you know, a walk at one of the parks or one of the beaches here, we could say, God, look at your, your beautiful creation. You are amazing, you know. And, 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 and that means every moment could be this moment that is with the Lord if we slow down and acknowledge that God is with us. Think about that. Do we really believe that God lives within inside of us? And if God lives inside of us, how does that going to affect how we work, how we treat others, how we love others? How is that going to affect our everyday lives? If God is within us. We are the temple of God. How is that going to affect how we make decisions? How is that going to affect the fact that maybe, maybe if we slow down, God is directing us. That God says, hey. And it's that still, small voice where we go, okay, I hear you, Lord. I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to do this. So what 
is it about God living within us that, that we believe or that we don't believe? But if we're going to enter into worship, we need to slow down. And in fact, of all the spiritual disciplines, all of them require us to slow down. And maybe slowing down means not watching Netflix as much at night, getting off our phones at night, maybe putting whatever it is that takes a lot of our times, and just start somewhere. Start somewhere, whatever it is for you. Start where you are and get those winds underneath your belt. Another avenue into worship is praise. The Psalms are the literature of worship, and the most common type of phrase in the Psalms are this, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You read the the Psalms, you're going to see the phrase praise the Lord four billion times. Okay, that's an extrovert problem. We exaggerate everything. But we're encouraged to sing. We're encouraged to shout. We're encouraged to raise our hands. In fact, there's these body postures where, where the Bible says that they, laid, that they fell down on the ground as a way of saying, Lord, you know, I need you. They, 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 you know, they were encouraged to kneel before the king. You are the king. I am not. Let me kneel before you, Lord. Let me kneel since you are the king and I am not. And in fact, in the, in, the, in the Old Covenant, to bring a sacrifice, a praise of worship, lots of times it involves some type of animals. In the New Testament, we're instructed to bring an offering of praise. And in fact, we read in 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9 about spiritual sacrifices. You, also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So worship is acknowledging that God has done everything for us, everything for us, and it's our response to that. And that response comes out in obedience. That response comes out in different forms. And so why do we sing? Well, we sing because when we sing, it leads us into praise. We sing because when we sing, it allows us to kind of get the chains off of our souls in one aspect, because sometimes... When we sing, it allows us to free ourselves and to sometimes raise our hands. And sometimes that's intimidating. But for some, it's like, hey, let's take that step of faith and let me take that one step to do something as a posture of responding in obedience to the Lord. And so in the Psalms, we, we, we read at least 41 times, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. And scripture tells us that God wants all of us. He wants our body. He wants our mind. He wants our spirits. Why? Because he created it. As the worship team comes, I want us to pull out this card here in your programs. And on one side, uh, it says, learn to be spiritual. On the other side, it steps into worship. And this is not an exhaustive list on steps into worship. There is so much more to, to worship than, than what we could talk about in 25 minutes or so. But what this 
what this series is all about is introducing us to the spiritual disciplines and then practicing them. Introducing us to them and then practicing them. Introducing us to them and then practicing them, practicing them, practicing them, practicing them, practicing them. So with worship, steps into worship. Number one, practice the presence of God daily. Learn to pray without ceasing. Realize that every single moment can be a holy moment because we live in God's creation and God lives within us. But we have to first slow down to acknowledge that. May our lives be lives that are filled with prayer. Lives that when we see needs of people, we address it, we pray, we, we slow down to hear these needs. Steps into worship, cultivate holy dependence. Holy dependency means we're utterly dependent on God for anything significant to happen. Maybe there's a big decision coming on in your life. Maybe there's a big move coming up. Holy dependency says, Lord, I need you. I need your direction. You are the one I need to hear from. And whether it happens the way you want to happen or not, guess what? God's still in charge. But by us acknowledging that we are dependent upon him, we are worshiping him and honoring him. Number three, observe, absorb distractions with gratitude. Learn to conquer distractions around you. And when kids are around you, maybe you're trying to praise to the Lord, praise him and worship, whatever it is. And these little kids, you know those crazy little kids? And they're like, wah, 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 wah. Oh, those are, those are just my kids, sorry. Like last night, they were cray-cray. And, and so, so instead of saying, how dare you interrupt my time of worship, bless them. Bless them in the name of the Lord. Because what Jesus said, let all the children come to me. Jesus didn't say, get those rugrats out of here, did he? No, he says, I love them. They are precious to me. And in fact, we need to have faith like a child. You ask a child about God, they'll tell you about God. And they probably have better theology than we do. Sometimes. Number four, learn to offer a sacrifice of worship. There are times I don't want to pray. Just saying. There are times when I don't want to sing. There are times when I don't want to come to church. And I'm the pastor. <laughs> I get paid to be here. But when we put things into perspective, here's what happens. We start to push our agenda aside and realize, you know what? We're not singing for ourselves. We're not praying for ourselves. We're not being kind for ourselves. We are responding to the creator of the universe who has no beginning and no end. This creator of the universe who has nothing but love and joy and has a plan for us. Once I think we realize that, then we can start realizing, you know what? I need to start putting my issues, like, not necessarily aside, maybe deal with them, definitely deal with them, but realize what's most important, and that's the creator of the universe and worshiping him. Psalm 95, 6 and 7 says this, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. It's like that song that we're going to sing, The Heart of Worship. Coming back to the heart of worship is realizing that God is in charge, that he is king, 
and we want to respond to him in obedience and in love. And so let's stand and let's respond and let's sing and let's worship our Savior. Amen.